Christianity, the church, and religion. I'm your host, Tim Curley, along with your my co-host, not your co-host, my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm a little tired this week. I mean, y- you get back into the swing of teaching and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, beer is always good at the end of the day. We had a water polo game today. Um, our boys did the best that they could. We took a, took a hard loss well, today, so... I know, I know. Don't worry. The, the kids will uh, destroy me for it on a regular basis. I just got to get back into being able to talk, you know, without saying euphemisms every single time. Um, so, although fun fact from today, I started reading, I told you, I started reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy today. And uh, if you read the, the little, like, prologue before, the gui- I think it's called The Guide to the Hitchhiker's Guide, is... Um, it has phone numbers in there of how to leave Earth or whatever. And so it's like, how to leave Earth? First call NASA. And it has this phone number that's listed. And so I called it today. <laughs> and I got, this phone line has been disconnected. So then I called, so then it said, reach out to the White House. And it has another phone number in step two. So I called that number. <laughs> and at this point, I learned that they weren't joking because, hi, this is for training purposes. And, I, and then they started talking about, if you have complaints to reach the White House or whatever. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> thought it was gonna be some like gag number or something but no and then i like looked up the phone numbers for the rest of them and i was like no way they legitimately have the phone numbers for how to get in contact with people in this book it was a great day you know a little something silly to start the day off so um but just so you guys know we're drinking a couple beers here tonight Um, not nearly as strong as last week's. Uh, we're drinking a collab with Hen House. And uh, is it Adamont? Adamont Beer Works? Established in 2012. It's a collab. It's called Hella Stoked. That's yeah, perfect for the Go to Hell podcast. Oh, absolutely. And it's uh, delicious. It's, Hen House beers are always delicious, particularly with their IPAs. Oh, phenomenal. We haven't poured it in a glass. We can't tell. We're we're drinking out of the can. Uh, It's just one of those nights. We don't have the patience to pour it in a glass tonight. (laughs) I have a little bit of a cold, so if you're listening to this and I feel I sound froggy or stuffed up, it's because I am. And then uh, apologize for any extracurricular sound effects that might happen during the podcast. Nose blowings. All that good stuff. Yeah. All right. 
So we are what podcast ten, nine, eight, eleven, something like that. Sixty nine. <laughs> so I'll, I'll grow up someday. I work with freshmen. That's how what I have to deal with every single day. So we've been talking about uh, reasons why people are leaving the church. It was this podcast was the genesis of a similar teaching series at uh, the church I go to, Neighborhood Church, and the pastor forced forced them. I, I literally I don't know his last name at all. I, Janine or Janine or something. I'm just I so glad. I'm just glad that they don't hand out bulletins for me to have to see that yeah. like every single week. So, Forrest and I are on a first name basis, so I need to know his last name. Yeah, that's right. Um, what if Forrest is his last name? <laughs> <laughs> Forrest. Uh, so we we decided to turn this into a podcast to see where it would go uh, as an experiment. We've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. For if anybody is anybody out there, anybody listening. Uh, and so we've kind of wrapped up that series, although we're going to do kind of a wrap up tonight. I want to kind of do a wrap up and maybe hit some things that we didn't talk about before on particular episodes or things we've right. thought about since then. And, right. uh, one of the things I want to start up, start with is, uh, one of my best friends from high school, his mom died a couple weeks ago and the funeral was last week. And, uh, those of you who have been listening to this podcast, I have taken several pot shots at John MacArthur, and uh, I stand by those uh, those <laughs> those pot shots. But uh, he can handle them. My friend and my friend and his family have been at that church since its inception, and she was a, a very proud John MacArthurite, and uh, she was a wonderful woman. And I've met John MacArthur, and he seems like a very pleasant man. And they did. John MacArthur did not speak at her funeral, but it was one of the elders, teaching uh, elders. And uh, to be honest with you, the service in the chapel, he did a phenomenal job. I really liked what he said. At the graveside, he really turned me off because he did the very, he had a very dispensational, like, we know her body is this and we know this is going to happen and just basically breaking down revelation like this is literally what's going to happen and look it's fine to believe that what turned me off was just the absolute certainty of it right even then didn't ruin the service for me it's not my service i right, have right, to be right. a jackass to get offended by it it's just right. like see this is where i part ways with so i say all that and i just criticize them if somehow you've made it through this long in this podcast and you're somewhere on the fundamentalist side, we are not. This is well. This is for anybody. If you're even more progressive than we are, I'm impressed you made it that far. Evangelical, whatever. We've certainly been very. We've had strong opinions, albeit weakly held, about a lot of things so far on this podcast. But what we are not doing is saying. If you're an Episcopal or you're a fundamentalist or Episcopal is a denomination, but if you're a, a progressive or a, a fundamentalist or an evangelical and we've said things that we have, we've called out things that are criticizing things you, you believe in, we are not saying that you are wrong. Your Christianity, I mean, I, 
I might be where I'm at in my faith. I think it's wrong. But I have no idea if I'm right. And we're not saying at all that you, because you believe these things, your flavor of Christianity is absolutely wrong. Right. In fact, what we're wanting to do, and, you know, we only got a certain amount of time every night. I don't know that we can always make this clear. We're kind of trying to do the opposite. One of the problems that the church has had, and it's always had this problem, was it struggled with this problem literally from the very beginning. We can get to that to a minute, just for those who didn't grow up in the church and don't know what we're talking about. And then for those of you who, who did, who need a refresher, we've always had fractures in the church and people looking at the church differently. It is not a top-down organization, unless you're Catholic. But even then, as we've said, we, Colton and I accept that both Catholic and Protestant are the church. We are not, we are ecumenical in that sense. I do not see the two, two things as different. There are things I disagree with, with the Roman Catholic Church in particular, very much. But I don't say that they're not Christian. So even then, there's a diversity within the church. I think what, what you and I are arguing, and the church that we're specifically at, that the pat, our pastor Forrest specifically is very much for, and the only thing he'll tell you to get the hell out of the church for is to, is to only believe in one thing and complain that pastor's not preaching this one thing and anything other than that is not Christian. If you want to tell him and anybody in the church that, you can go find your butt, stick your butt in another pew or a seat at another church. He prides himself on having, and I, I think this is what we're trying to talk about, is a church that is very diverse in thinking and that is adult and mature enough to have those discussions. So that when Rob Bell writes a book about hell that really unsettles people and is flirting with universalism, we don't have prominent pastors excommunicating them as if they have that right from Christian circles, and then just saying, eh, he's off here, but he means well. I think I've gone on enough. We can now take this into a discussion. No, I think that, I think that what you're getting at is very much what we tried to outline in our first week. When we first had that conversation and we talked about what it is that we are trying to do, we did also – the statements that we made were also to protect ourselves when we're having this conversation is we don't want you to jump down our throats. We're saying like here's here's what our core belief is. Here are what the dogmas are. Here's the doctrines and here's the opinion. A lot of the conversations that we have held, a lot of the topics that we've discussed, we are talking about the realm of opinion. Okay. And why that's important is one, protecting us from the idea that you can come in here and you can tell us that we're wrong and that we're going to hell. And then it also protects listeners from being able to be told that they're going to hell just because they think differently than somebody else, especially on something that has no grounds, no basics, no nothing. Okay. Um, where it's like, you can look at me shocked all you want, but I mean, I was like, uh, you know, uh, based off of speculation or just because it was church tradition does not mean that it is the way that it is. You can feel free to question that, argue that. Um, and, and people have been doing that for centuries already. That's why there's so many splits. Um, but what 
But again, where the problem lies is if we have people that are constantly condemning other people to hell, right? If we have people that are associated with this church and they're saying you're not getting baptized in the correct way, so therefore you're not a part of Christianity, we're going to say that's not where we draw lines. That's not it, okay? Again, where we draw the line is do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Did he resurrect from the grave? And did he ascend into heaven? That is so important. Um, and the reason for that is, is because that is, that's our faith. That's what makes us not Jewish, right? That's what makes us not Muslim. Then they all have their different sets, but that is what makes us who we are. And so therefore, as long as you believe in that, that vision and that mission that Jesus Christ proclaimed, and you are doing everything that you possibly can to instill that, and that means not condemning people to hell, or not being able to have those conversations and say, this might could be a discussion. I don't really know that much about this conversation. But I'm willing to listen and lean in and not tell you that you're wrong, right? Be an adult, have a conversation. We we get so confused sometimes that our, our faith has to be rock solid. If people start to put chinks or cracks in our armor, then the whole thing's wash. If we sit there and compromise what we were taught in Sunday school when we were five years old, somehow that makes our faith worthless. That makes no sense. Yeah, I think... By the way, my microphone is not really picking up anything, so I'm now noticing yours is coming through very, very, very well. It's okay. You talk loud every time, so... (laughs) Hopefully this works. Uh... I think this starts out of out as look. It's all the the belief in Jesus always starts off that that's the core. But then then the question is, is my faith genuine? And then that's where we start going off the rails because I think then we start looking at am I what am I doing wrong that's not indicative of Jesus and the Holy Spirit changing me and this that and, that, and that's fine. But then that turns into also then judging other people because we see that behavior. And go, oh, they must they must also not be because, you know, they're struggling with this, that, and the other. So I think, you know, a lot of times this comes out of this. Um, I brought up church splits. It wasn't really a church split, but if uh, for those of you who don't know anything about the Bible, those of you who do, just to remind those who do and those who have never heard it, in early part of the church, um, those no... the, the those who were Jewish wanted to insist that Christians had to follow the Jewish law, and what the problem was is they were trying to convert people who weren't Jewish and weren't circumcised. Or, I mean, that was a big thing if you're a male. But then all kinds of other thing, ways of living that pagans, that's what they would call them, Gentiles weren't used to living. This literal fight breaks out in the church. They, all the basic the elders of the church, Galatians all come together, huh? Galatians, Galatians, and it's also but it's also recorded in Acts. They all come together this meeting in Acts, and one group I think led by Peter, if I remember right, says no, you know you got to be circumcised. You got to follow all the rules. And Paul and Barnabas stand up and say. Because they were the ones, I think, doing most of the interacting with these things. No, this is crazy. This is going to keep them, if you're just replacing old rules with new rules, 
you this isn't going to work now some of you hear that kind of stuff today and you say oh you're trying to market christianity make it more accessible to people sounds a lot like that's what paul was doing at the time right and are you going to disagree with paul yeah, are you going to disagree mm. with St. Paul? <laughs> um, and it takes James, Jesus' half-brother, step in and say, I agree with Paul. We're going to do this. Basically, work with who you're working with. And don't add rules when rules aren't necessary. Well, and what it became out of... So, so this exchange happens in Acts. Again, if you guys have never gotten the chance, Luke... Is the first book Acts is the second book. the The author of Luke and Acts um, wrote the stories kind of back to back as kind of this part one, which is this the life of Jesus, and then you have the story of Paul um, and the church and Peter for the beginning half, um, and it, and it's just the story of the church that you get through Acts, um, and and so they follow this this encounter and in acts where there's this meeting and then the book of Galatians is the letter that he writes, um, after this whole encounter. Um, and so that's why I reference Galatians is because this is after Peter has now, or after Paul has gone and raked Peter over the coals, because what was happening was Peter originally was going out, he was preaching to the Gentiles and then he kind of became more of a recluse. Um, the more and more he interacted, the more he kind of leaned into, uh, that Jewish side that he had been raised up and following that entire time. And that's what he did. He leaned into that. And so he became more of the type that preached to the Jews and tried to make them more messianic as we would call it today. Um, Paul, on the other hand, went to the Gentiles. That was his target audience. That's who he went to. That's where he did all of his ministry. If you follow him around Greek Rome, he still say, he still says through and through, even in Romans, he says, I am a Jew. That's who he is. Um, and, and so, but he goes to this meeting and he calls Peter out on his shit he says, listen, dude, you're preaching one thing, but you're not doing it, right? You're saying that, you know, Jesus died for our sins and he created this awesome possibility for us. But yet you're saying that all people that enter the faith need to be circumcised in order enough to be saved. That's not what you're saying. You preach that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But yet apparently the circumcision is what makes them a part of the way, the truth, and the life. Which is more important, the law or what Jesus did? And some people are like, well, they're hand in hand. And he's like, no. Paul definitively says in Galatians that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is what saves you. That's what saves you. It's not anything else that you can do. You're taking away from the power and the majesty of Jesus Christ dying on the cross if you say that, you know, something else that you can do can save you. Um, because it's, that's just not how it works. The ultimate sacrifice has been paid. You don't have to sacrifice parts of your body. You don't have to, you know, not wear cotton polyester blends. <laughs> that's the big one that everybody always does uh, on a church service. Okay. Uh, so you're fine. Um, but again, make sure that that is that central part of your faith where it is like it is not Jesus and this. It is not Jesus did this, but you also have to do this and but this or and this or this. No, it was always Jesus's move to die on the cross. And that is what saves you from sin. 
So I think that's what's important when it comes down to that whole situation. And Paul clearly defines it. Again, read your Bibles, Galatians. He does not hold back about how he feels about Peter and that exchange. That's why a lot of people feel that there is a little bit of animosity between Peter and Paul um, in well, the Bible. So the, the just historic recounting of it in Acts suggests that it was a knockdown, dragout discussion. This was not a and to this, be fair, to be fair, uh, you know, Paul's a bit of a firebrand anyway. So I'm sure I mean, he oh, yeah. doesn't seem like someone who. Uh, He's not really concerned about sugarcoating things. Uh, he's not out to win win people over in those kind of situations. But yeah, it, it comes across as being a pretty nasty dispute between the two sides. So right, and I mean, like if you look at history classes and we talk about you know the making of the uh, the Constitution, and we always you know they met in the room for like a week. And there was no air conditioning in the middle of summer. And they came up with what became the Constitution for the United States. Imagine that whole situation going down just with the church. Yeah. And in Jerusalem where it's 10,000 times hotter than, yeah. you know, Virginia in July. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So we, we talked a few weeks ago about reasons people are leaving the church uh, being Christians themselves in the church we talked about some of the big stuff the church does uh, I want to hit on that again real quick just kind of re reiterate that not necessarily things that uh, we missed but some stuff that I thought about this week uh, uh Well, you want to talk about you want to talk about heaven and hell from last week? Yeah, let's talk about heaven and hell, and then we'll go back to this because that that yeah, we'll circle back to this. So let's do heaven and hell because we we talked about it. We had a long it was a long podcast last week, but I don't know. We don't really really remember a lot of it. This is true, <laughs> but it was also I, we I diverted us I think into the uh, prodigal son. I thought and that was a great I discussion. That us off, I thought off. that was a great discussion. No, it was a great discussion, but it, it diverted us from where we had planned the discussion to go, and then we ended up at hour forty. We're sorry about that. Uh, Unless you enjoyed so, it, then yeah. no. So this is definitely we need to bring this up because for one, I was I would say you and I disagreed. This is probably the first thing we've disagreed on with this podcast. Won't be the last, but that's I think the first area where you and I disagree, well, technically, in terms of how we laid out what we view heaven is. I will say that is the most weakly held of my strong opinions. I wouldn't even say it's a strong opinion. It's where I'm at today. I don't even remember where we went with like that. Did we even... You were pretty much emphatic. You were much more traditional in the view of, of, of when judgment happens and all that kind of thing. And I was a little more like uh, not quite infinite, but we get a lot more chances after uh, this life than what is classically. Well, I wouldn't say that. But was I classical last week? I don't remember. You were a bit more like you get a ch you get a chance here. 
Chance. That's oh, what I remember. well, okay. So that's what, what I remember after. Well, and I'm, thank you very much. Actually, that. actually, I think this is good because I think that I need to clarify then because if that's what we got from that, then that's, that's what I got. Bad. But again, that was just bull talking. No, so I think that I would say that I'm probably actually more finite than you are. So I would say that when I say finite, is that I believe that our lives are a lot more finite than we think. Um, I think that there is this eternal space or whatever that's talked about um and i don't know what that means um i gotta be honest again we kind of have these weird verses that we talked about last week where it's like okay there's this purgatory kind of thing that happens we talked about the the man on the cross it's promised paradise what those mean i don't know i did say that hell is something that you lock yourself into this is a place where you have removed yourself from God's will. But I do believe that what they are talking about, this place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's a place on earth. It's a place that you are putting yourself in on earth. This idea of hell that is used or this idea um, of this place completely removed from God is a place that you can fully put yourself in on earth. When you die, the traditional concept of where you go after death I again, I'm not with the field. I'm with the field that believes that. I don't know if that's necessarily talked about in the Bible. I I mean, like, there's kind of these hints at it, but really, I don't know. I don't actually. If we were to, if you were to ask me straight up, if somebody was to ask me straight up, I would probably tell you at this point. I would say, I don't know if there is an eternal place of suffering or an eternal place of joy and peace and prosperity after we die. I think that what is important is what we do here. And so therefore, I don't concern myself with whether or not there's a heaven or hell. So if you had to actually tie me down. Okay, maybe well, wait. said that last week. Well, I'm just saying that if you were to tie me down, I would probably tell you that I don't believe in a hell after death. And I don't believe in a heaven after death in the traditional sense of what we believe. Again, I still keep trying to like dance around it. I don't know if. I don't know, but I do believe that we cease to exist after we die. And I, and I believe in the, the power and the message of, you know, Jesus Christ is coming back and then we get raised and, and that kind of stuff again. I believe in that. I don't know what that looks like. Do I have my same stream of consciousness? I don't know. I don't know. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that what they were talking about in scriptures is that they are talking about places that are here, right? This kingdom of heaven should be built here, this... Uh, this hell is this place that you put yourself in where you have removed God from your life, where you have chosen to stay away from him and you lock yourself in the same way that, again, I think I used this analogy last week, the way that Pharaoh did in Exodus. So I don't know. That's just what I would say. So I hope that clears things up a little bit. You might not have been clearing anything up. No, I don't know. I don't Uh, remember what I said last week. Are you kidding me? I slept on your couch last week. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so why do we bring that up? You, 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 you brought it into why we bring that up. The point of last week's episode, which I don't, which I know we didn't really punctuate well enough, is uh, well. Let's stipulate before we get to that. You and I both, I think I'm correct. We've had discussions about this. Maybe I'm misremembering yeah. something incorrectly. You and I have both flirted with universalism. Right, one hundred percent. And we have both backed away from it completely because to do so, one, does cheapen the gospel, which 
even the New Testament talks about. Right. There's no cheap faith. Right. Uh, and two, and more importantly, because the first one is basically determining what God's going to do, but the bigger point is that makes it easy for us to then check out and not have to do anything here. Right. We just get to sit on our hands Which and not do then anything. Which sends us, we've now got, we've, so we go from that boomerang to the other side, which is the fixation of the modern church, and by that I mean the last couple hundred years, and specifically pretty much in the United States uh, more than anywhere else, maybe the third world because they've been getting American versions of the gospel. This fixation with sanctification sanctification, and all of this stuff leading to eternal salvation, eternal salvation is getting in the way of what I would argue, and I think church historians would argue, would agree with me, the early church was much more focused, and yeah, it's because we could argue it's because they thought Jesus was going to come soon and all that. doesn't matter. They had it right. They were focused on the kingdom of heaven here and now. And we'll talk in a couple episodes later how that could create a whole other set of problems because that's not, I mean, that's fraught with its own set of problems. Once you start focusing on kingdom of heaven now and here, you start doing things like sending priests all around the world to uh, subjugate the savage by force and, and, you know, make them become followers of Jesus. So that I'm not saying that doesn't have its own problems, but I would the problem with modern Christianity and particularly the last one couple hundred years, certainly modern evangelicals, sorry evangelicals, is it is too fixated on the eternal and not the now. Right. I think, and we've had this discussion a couple of times, um, and I think that this is why we wanted it to be on a podcast, was we wanted to talk about this whole idea of of this of this idea of heaven and hell and this fixation that our culture currently has on wanting to make sure that they cross every every t dot every i check every box to make sure that they do everything that they can so that the way they can live eternally in this platonic divine space outside of you know this earth and this life that they live in and you and I both talked about that it is extremely freeing for you, for you and I it was extremely freeing to not give a damn about that anymore right and the reason why I think it is so important and I would like at some point for Christians to eventually make that shift I we need to see Christians make that shift to where it's no longer about what comes after i know that we're afraid i know that you're scared about you know you want something to continue after this i get that i get that fear i get that whole anxiety that comes out from it and if you're not ready for it then you're not ready for it but the reason that you are a part of this faith should not be and you need to check yourself and i will say that 100 percent to everybody in this audience the reason why you are a part of this faith is not for eternal salvation that's not what this is about. That's not why God wants you here. 
That's not it. The reason why you should be a part of this faith is because you are bought in on the mission and vision of God. And his vision for this earth, is it something that you want to be a part of? That should be the reason why you join the faith, is because you want to love people the same way that you have been showed love. That's what you're here to do. And the rest will follow. And we can sit here, and in heaven, I can't wait, if, if, if heaven turns out to be real, for you to come rub it in my face and be like, listen, this thing was here the whole time. And I'll be like, good, I'm glad it is. And I hope that you still stay true to that mission and vision of God that God, that God called us to do. Because that should be why you join the faith, is because I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this body of believers that wants to make this place a better place every single day. Do everything that I can to make this place a better place. And then we don't have to worry about who's getting in, who's, who's getting left out. Okay, You can relieve yourself of that stress and just focus on what you need to do here, which is love other people. Yeah. Maximize your time here. We don't, we're not doing video for this podcast. Not now, maybe not ever, but uh, you can't see my office, but I have this huge whiteboard and it's got business stuff on there and it's got quotes for various other things. But one of the quotes that I have on here is a Jack London quote. I think it's Jack London. Boy, if it's not... I'm the White Fang, Call of Wild. <laughs> Call the Wild. The hopefully. proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to belong them. I shall use my time. That seems more like Mark Twain version. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I think... You know, I have a Google machine for... Testing, 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 testing. No. Two... What? All right, we had a few technical difficulties, but we're back. Uh, we're talking about the kingdom now. And I mentioned a Jack London quote. It is Jack London. was Jack London. Uh, so again, the whole point of the heaven and hell conversation was to talk to, to one. Look, if those of you out there and it really makes you feel really good about your faith to focus on and eternity, and it makes, it removes anxiety, that's fine, uh, but I think for a lot of us, it adds, it just adds to anxiety, because we're constantly trying to see whether or not we're doing what we need to do to get to heaven, and th again, that's not the point of what our faith is supposed to be, it's how are we being Christ-like, and again, the point of being Christ-like isn't to try to justify ourselves to Jesus, it's because that's what we're doing out of devotion to him, is to be Christ-like. Uh, so, we are now at stage two of our beer tonight. Colton, what are we drinking? Uh, this is Belching Beaver, which I don't know if I've said it enough on this uh, podcast, but Belching Beaver is kind of one of those uh, sleeper picks out of San Diego. They were first originally known for their peanut butter chocolate stout, which is phenomenal or so i hear i haven't actually tried it because stouts just really aren't for me but it it is amazing very well acclaimed um but they've really stepped up their ipa game and it's becoming a front runner and some of my favorite things uh to pick up from the store and drink and right now we're drinking a limited edition double dry hopped hazy ipa uh a part of the phantom bride series from deftones 
Um, so uh, it's nice, really delicious. All of the uh, Deftones Phantom Bride uh, Belgian meters are great. They're delicious. It's like five or six. Yeah, I don't even know. I have the other ones uh, again because we're just I just ridiculous about our beer. I just and other alcohols. I have a shelf with empty beer cans that are all cool, and I've got I think all of the other Phantom Brides in there. Uh, I don't think so. you have the white one, but the. Uh... I think uh, there was a student that I had the other day who said that her favorite musician, musical artist was the Deftones. Interesting. It was interesting. I'm not sure the Deftones are very Christian-friendly. Maybe that's just the style of music. I'm not a big fan. There's a few songs here and there. But I, if I'm being honest with you, I don't know if I've actually ever heard a Deftones song. A little, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so... Okay, so we, we put another bow in the heaven and hell thing. Uh, yeah, just seal that right up. Yeah, I mean, we've got <laughs> no debate anymore. Uh, yeah, if no, you're absolutely. Focus on it. You're a moron. That's Go right. to hell. As we talked, focus on going to heaven. Go to hell. Yeah, sorry. We said at the beginning that like, hey, like we're sorry, like we're not really trying to condemn you, but like if you don't think that what we're we not think on that, we just think there's a better way. One hundred percent. I just think there's a better way. Uh, and don't worry if you're like, man, I'm. you're apologetic about that. And you're just like, man, I'm so sorry to these guys. All we have to say is don't be sorry. Just be better. Okay. Yeah. Just be better. Okay. Um, all right. So let's speak a little bit more. We, it was two or three episodes ago. We talked about Christians themselves and both macro the church in general and then uh, Christians themselves turning people away from the church or just turning people off from ever even wanting to entertain it or any other religion. We've talked quite a bit about it, but I want to circle back on it. Uh, one, because I have had a couple conversations with people, uh, friends of ours that have listened to the podcast and they've kind of said, well, hey, the, my church isn't that way or I don't really view the church this way. Look, this is kind of a thing that's, to me it seems recent in America where you try to have general conversations about a thing and then someone says, well, I don't see it that way and like my thing isn't this way. Look, folks, you have to be able to generalize about certain groups. That's just the way it is. Either the way they are or the way they're perceived. So if you want to judge our conversation on, on how the church has turned away people because it's perceived that way or it's actually doing it you, you can make that choice. But there is no doubt the church in general has been, in a, it, let's just focus on the United States, since the 1970s, maybe 1950s. The church has been a certain way. And we were, we were condemning of that. We were condemning of that on that episode. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, the set, the Catholic sex scandal, what was the other thing we talked about? It was some big things that the church in general, you know, then unfortunately got people, got the whole church labeled, uh, turned people off. Uh, one thing we did talk about was divine wrath, which has been a big, big focus in partic- particularly Protestant, uh, evangelical, dare we say, holiness side of the church. The uh, televangelist side, this the, the folks on television who, who define Christianity 
for the people who are t- tuning in and don't know much about it. The stuff they hear, I'm sorry, it is wrong. This is one of those where I'm not, we're, I'm not opening up any like, oh, you can just do what you do. No. When we got prominent Christian leaders, and they're repeated that way by the secular, if not atheistic media, and people who are just hostile to church because they're prominent, they're, they've got paid for TV channels, they're out speaking for the rest of us, and they stand up and say stuff like in the 80s, the AIDS epidemic is because of homosexuals and they brought it upon themselves. I'm sorry. Go to hell. That's not what the message should be. Either keep your mouth shut. Best thing to do, keep your mouth shut. Right. And if you want, if you want to do something, say nothing and go quietly minister to these people that you find so abhorrent doing these abhorrent things. That's a way of dying to yourself and also ministering to people who need to be ministered to whether or not they believe in Jesus or not. How about that? You don't stand up and very prominently on a regular basis a whole group of you that that deign to speak for all of us and say, this was an abomination brought upon uh, wrath brought upon them for for this abomination. That is not the message. It happened after 9-11 Pat Robertson and the 9-11 whatever the hell his TV network is, calling 9-11 punishment on America because we turned away from God. I'm sorry, Pat Robertson. Go to hell. That We don't need that kind of stuff. That was traumatic, not only for the, the families of 3,000 people, but everyone who, who watched it, was, which is literally the first time anyone had watched something like that ever. I know a lot of people watched the... Kennedy assassination, but that was a seminal moment. I watched it myself. It still angers me a lot when I when I see 9-11. Not gotten over it, don't think I ever will. You do not stand up in front of a nation that needs healing and say, we brought it upon ourselves, or the pagans among us brought it upon us. Go to hell. And you don't say that when we've had natural disasters recently, and we've had hurricanes, and the same the same judgment hucksters stand up and say, oh, this is judgment for this and that and the other. No. No, I completely agree. I think that... I have no stomach for that. God will judge you as whether or not you're a faithful Christian. You probably are, but you're also a hateful man if you're standing up saying that. You can be both. And you're very detrimental to the faith you're supposed to be representing. And getting paid on top of it a lot of money to do so. And so, no, I think... Sorry. No, you're fine. No, because I'm just as passionate about this as you are. I think that it's good for us to sometimes kind of let loose on some of this stuff because I, I got to be honest, when you're sitting out there and you're, you're, you're calling down hellfire and brimstone on homosexuals and saying that, you know, uh, the world is doomed because of you, right? Like when we talked about the AIDS uh, epidemic, right? When we talked about this whole thing and, and we're going to go and blame other people and we're going to talk about what they did and this is what brought it upon us. Again, we've talked about it on this podcast before where it's like, I don't think you understand when it comes to these situations, this is results of a broken world and actually I believe full-heartedly that it breaks God's heart. I believe that full-heartedly. 
I don't think that God ever wanted that to happen for his people. He doesn't want you to be taken from this world prematurely. That's not what he wants. And yet, there are broken people in this world that desire to hurt people. And that's what happens. AIDS isn't like something where you like purposely go out and hurt people. But I'm specifically talking to the 9-11 situation right now. It's it's disgusting. I, I have... Yeah. It, it, it's appalling. I believe that those people can come back from that. They can sit there and they can say, hey, that was a mistake. I should have never, ever said that. That was a, my fault, my bad, you know. And, and sure, you can come back from that. But I have to say that I'm still disgusted to this day that you would sit there and say that God made this happen. This is judgment being cast. No. I, what – like – are we just some barbaric religion now? I was like, now you're buying into, and I hate to say it like this, but you are now buying into the religion of the pagans. If yeah. you want to know where the religion came from, where different things in church culture has come from, it is because we have compromised into this idea of what we're accepting through these barbaric pagan traditions, and we are now implementing it into our religion. There are a lot of traditions. There are a lot of things in our in in the church that we currently practice. And whether you like it or not, the Gentiles gave that influence over. I'm not going to give a specific examples. That'll rock some of your worlds. Yeah. If I if I gave enough examples of that, you'd be like, you would think that I was lying. But if you actually like did like. A two-minute Google search, you would find out that, holy shit, this stuff was here before Christianity adopted it. Right. And so you're still adapting that for where you think that we have a wrathful, vengeful God who comes in on a whim of his emotions and blows people over. But I also think, and I mean like this will be a different podcast and I know that we have one lined up. I also think this comes from, you know, this whole idea that America used to be God's country. Oh, yeah, we're going to dissect that. So if, for those of you out there that intertwine your religion and politics, probably next week we're going to dive into that. Right. And so, and I mean, like, I'll dive into it a little bit now where we believe that we were the new Israel. Right. We said we were, we were doing the mission we were going out. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. And then all of the sudden, the 1920s happened. <laughs> the flappers came out. Oh, but 1945, World War II. Oh, we redeemed ourselves. The 60s. We did well. Or was it just propaganda that told us that we were doing well? And then we get to the 80s and the 90s. Well, now shit's hitting the fan. We've turned away from God. In, 2000, in 2001... This is what happens. This is God's judgment for you turning away. This is the constant idea that there is always this good old age. People always want to say that our decade was better than somebody else's decades. The next decade is, pardon my French, fucked. <laughs> they are. I heard it today. But why don't you sit there? And here's the thing that comes with, with scripture and with, with all of that stuff. And we talked about this before we started this podcast today. And I know you know this is coming. Is that 
we have this tendency in the church right now to look at other people and we sit there with those genera those generalities right and we don't think that we're the problem we say not my church not my pastor not me i'm not the problem it's them it's over there but scripture has made it clear that you need to look at yourself and assume that you are the problem. I don't mean that you need to stress out about it and worry about it for the rest of your life, but if you get advice to do something or they're saying like, hey, it should convict you and it should be a lesson that you should learn and that you should put into practice. You need to make sure that you are doing what you can to not do that. So when we sit here and we're reaming people and we sit there and we talk about these pastors that talked about 9-11, let's talk about today. What are you doing when we talk about the abortion situation? Are you condemning these, women's, these women to hell? Are you saying that they can't walk into your church because they got an abortion? Is that acceptable? Is that what we're supposed to do? That's what we're doing. There's too many of us are. I was like, if you want to find something that's scripturally, you can find spots in scripture where Paul is like, you can't be a part of this. That's something that you can legitimately find. This isn't like this gray area with homosexuality, okay? This is legitimately there about people having their children ripped from their wombs. But does that mean that you turn them away? Does that mean that you say that God will cast judgment on you? Absolutely not. Well, there's only one unforgivable sin that I'm aware of in, in the New Testament. Which is what? Denying the Holy Spirit. Exactly. It is which is a great, which, that's a whole podcast. That's, that's a, that is a vague, debatable verse. Uh, I take it as basically rejecting. I take it as rejecting the Holy Spirit, offering up an invitation to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, lived, died, and rose three days. That, that's the way I take that. That, that's the ultimate. That is the the moment where that someone has where they're ultimately it's it's the come to Jesus the proverbial right. come to right. Jesus moment and you say no I'm good I don't need that I I don't believe that or I don't need that or whatever and you know you condemn yourself other than that it's one big gray area right. And if you're telling me, well, for one thing, you mentioned abortion. Can we not talk about it as murder? Can we not? It is much more complicated than that. The law even talks about killing things in, in, in uh, degrees. Can we not talk about that? Can we stop talking about that? It is innocent life. But to just tell ladies that you've murdered a baby, can we not do that? Is there not a more intelligent way to do that? Uh, but uh, we're going to make a big issue out of that. The guy that Paul picked, that Jesus picked Paul, I'm pretty sure I remember reading, Probably, it's probably likely that he literally killed Christians. He certainly locked them up and threw them away. But it's it's pretty much widely understood that a lot of them actually got killed, and he might have actually done it with his own 
pans, either with rocks or something. So you're telling me that guy can be the other rock with Peter to the church. But we can't have a homosexual or this baby murderer walk into our midst. And, and they've already got to confess before they walk into the doors and deal with whatever shit they're dealing with. Even if it's not related to that. But right. we, well, we got to deal with that first. got to sanctify you first before we then accept you. No. Right. But again, I feel like that goes back to our original state or our last conversation when we were talking about so heaven and hell. We're contradicting ourselves at the beginning. No. Now we are getting very... <laughs> we're now... Like, uh, we're, the beginning. I don't well, feel I was bad like... about it. I don't feel bad about it. There are some certain things. Look, if, you, if you're sitting at this and, you're, and you feel very certain and judgmental about these things, that's fine. We do not. And again, I am not telling you you're going to hell because you're judgy. We think you're judgy, and you think you're being faithful to the word. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're a Christian. You might be thinking that as you're yelling at this podcast. You probably just turned it off a long time ago. Stopped listening five episodes ago. That's not what I'm saying, but I do disagree with you. I would just say that. If you disagree with us, at the end, we'll give you all the ways you can write in and tell us how we're wrong. I just think that when... When it comes to that situation, when it comes to these people and and these problems that we have with these people in the church, we're not telling you that you're condemned. We're telling you because a lot of times what ends up happening with a lot of these people is they put themselves on a pedestal and they don't believe that they are that they are beyond criticism. They surround themselves with yes men and people in their own congregation will 100% support them and that kind of stuff. We are sitting here and saying that is completely wrong and you are hurting Christianity. Is that what? And that's what we are talking about is like if you sit there and you say these things and you do this stuff and you turn these people away. And again, we're not talking about making this accessible Christianity. We're not talking about a bastardized version of the faith. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you have decided to play God and cast judgment when you have no right. Absolutely none. I have no problem saying that. And I don't think that anybody in scriptures would have a problem with that. Well, you know, people listening to this who disagree will cite Jesus and, you know, what he, he tells the woman to go, go and sit no more at the well. I forgot That's about Jesus. That's Jesus, though. That's not you. That's not you. Right. Exactly. You are not Jesus. The lesson, the lesson from that is not to go find uh, the, the the prostitute on the slutty side of town and then and make for friends with them and say, I'm going to be friends with you. Now go and sin no more. But again, I think that that's also the uh, what we talked about where it is like there's such huge emphasis on the sanctification element. We talked about this with the heaven and hell thing. There is such a huge emphasis in our culture to make sure that people are saved before they get access to Jesus Christ, but it should be the opposite of way around. Okay, can I insert? Can yeah, I insert, go. I'm going to insert a historical understanding of why I know why we got here, why I think we got here, but I think that, that we now need to pivot. Let's do it. I am willing to accept that we got here because it's widely accepted that we became a Judeo-Christian culture. And in a lot of parts of the country, it was hard to find someone who didn't go to church. Sure. 
and who didn't put on their Sunday best and at church act like they were the squeaky clean whistle and they weren't doing anything wrong while we, everyone in town might have known or just a few people knew that the Mr. Elder at the church was actually diddling his secretary and she didn't like it or whatever. Or the boy in his... Or the boy. <laughs> but the point is, when everyone's pretending to be Christian, I understand everyone calling out, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Mr. Elder. You're supposed to be a leader here. That's policing ourselves. That's everyone calling each other out. I mean, that that is biblical. We're, we're told in the 100%. New Testament, call yourselves out. So when the culture itself, and everyone's running around, again, generalities, the culture is Judeo-Christian, vast majority, or a huge majority of people are going to church and pretending that they're following this thing. They're going, kids are going to Sunday school, all that. I kind of get the policing ourselves, and now we got to start, like, are we all showing some sort of moral growth here that the Holy Spirit's working on us? That country doesn't exist. Stop trying to be that country. It should have never existed. Whether it did or not, we have left that ship. It is not... We are now... I don't know whether it should have, but I agree with you. The church is better when it is a counterculture and not the culture. The church has not pivoted to being a counterculture, and we've got to pivot to being a counterculture. And how do we do that? We stop fixating on the rules and telling everybody what to do and we start fixating on grace and trying to put broken people back by sharing the gospel to them. We're not going to we're not going to put them back together, but Jesus will and the Holy Spirit will. We've got to focus on that. Right. And I think that the and and to your point, if we look back at the Roman situation that was happening um, at the time that Paul is doing his ministry, when you have this extremely countercultural uh, religion of Christianity blossoming during this time. And the reason why it's so beautiful and so pure to look at Acts and see this faith, and yes, we know that they are expecting Jesus to come back any day. What's really cool about it is... It's not being forced on anyone. And that is the problem with where we are currently are, where we thought that we were going to do what we possibly could. And again, we become the Israelites, where we are forcing this on our people who aren't wanting it. There's people that are like, I don't, I don't want this. And so instead, when you become the counterculture, you continually show them that love to where they are like, hey, this is different. My life's a mess, but for whatever reason, your life isn't, and I want to be a part of that, okay? And that's, a, and it can bring love, and it can also bring hate, right? The, the Jews got to experience this for, you know, 2,000 years, and it came to a head with the Holocaust, right? A lot of people don't really understand that, and Americans now don't believe that anybody hated the Jews except for the Germans, which is, oh, a, yeah, that's, 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 which is a whole lot of horseshit. The Jews left Europe not because of the Germans. They left Europe because of Europe. Yeah. And they came to the United States, and the United States didn't want them either. 
Look at the look at the situations in New York that were happening where it came down to the Jews and people were protesting them and they hated them, right? There's the whole situation that happened with what was it, the St. Louis, the boat that was fleeing Europe from Hitler's reign to come. It landed in port in Florida and we sent it back all for those Jews to end up in concentration camps. Ridiculous. Disgusting. The United States hated the Jews just as much as Europe and the rest of the world did. But why did they hate them? These were people that were actually traditionally good with money. They worked on skills. They worked on themselves. And, and so they became their own, this own people that was set apart. And that became problematic. People wanted what they had and they hated them for it. Yep. We don't even have that right now. <laughs> like, we don't have that. We don't have this countercultural idea right now. Instead, we are trying to make it the main culture. And it's not going well. Instead, people are rejecting it. And they say, I don't want what you have. You have nothing. You come here with your rules and your laws. And you say that I have to do this and this just to earn this God satisfaction. What's in it for me? Forrest mentioned two weeks ago. I heard the story a bunch. Whether you're in, whether you've grown up in the church or or not, you might not have heard this story. I'm pretty sure Colton's heard this story. But it's widely regarded that the church exploded. Uh, I don't remember. It was I think it was second, first, second century. The church exploded in Rome. Uh, because a massive plague hit Rome and uh, the aristocrats, the Roman, anyone with money left Rome, the priesthood, the pagan priesthood left Rome, anybody who could flee fled. And those that didn't and actually brought in Christians from outside Rome into Rome to minister to these people suffering from this plague were the Christians. And all of these pagans took note and said, including, I don't remember what uh, he mentioned, which uh, emperor it was, Roman emperor made note of it. They all made note. Like, who are these, pe who are these moron crazy people who not, not only not leave, but like rush to the scene of a plague to try to help people either survive or feel comfortable at their death. Who does that? Right. Because, like you've mentioned, well, I hope we can, we might do a whole podcast cast on this because you and I are both completely in line with this. That did not exist. That thought never existed until Jesus came along. You secularists out there and atheists who want to convince yourselves that uh, that humanity would have evolved it anthropologically evolved to this this state where everyone loves each other you're fooling themselves right where were they where were they they weren't there and they're not here now no i see the the world we, we the world we're in right now is getting worse and it's not because of christians we're not helping but it's not because of christians we're going we're we're 
the world we live in that is becoming more secular and more atheistic is becoming more tribal and more hateful and everyone fend fin, fin for themselves. So this whole and this whole atheistic it, it all worked because we're modern enlightenment people. I'm sorry, it's bullshit. This all emanated from a small group of people who beyond all reason, math, calculations, whatever, turned into this mass religion that is still the biggest religion in the world and profoundly changed people, even though we're all a bunch of morons. The church has got to get back to that. Yeah, we I... need to say, conventionalism says do this. Conventional wisdom says do this. We're going to do why. And it might even say our conventional wisdom says this. We're going to do why. Conventional wisdom says we're going to go out there and we're going to protest abortion being uh, completely legalized in California because California is a pagan state. Shut the hell up. Do not do that. Please go find these women who are having these abortions. And if they spit in your face when you're trying to give them information, turn the other... That is literally the moment you turn the other cheek and you say, okay. Because some people are going to be certain about it. But you know what? One or two or three or four or five out of every ten that don't are coming out thinking... I'm not really sure about what just happened. Right. And you know what? You don't have to sit down and talk to him about Jesus either at the moment either. Nope. You just need to sit down and be with them. Right. Because, again, when we start tossing, tossing around those words like what we just talked about, where it's like when people are constantly calling them a murderer, what do you think that does to their psyche? These are people that are already not some are positive about what they're doing with their just decisions. Stop right there. You're, you're on the right track. I just want to insert something. We, we as Christians, more than, more than the secular culture, believe, we very much believe in this bond between the, the, the mother and the child. We are very much into that. It's, right. it's beyond bi biology. Or that the, whatever this biology is, is created by God, and there's a special bond. So you're going to sit there and believe that to a religious extent, and then you're going to tell a woman that you murdered that baby. Come on. It's ridiculous. And I, and I don't think that we ever, we have this, we have this culture currently where there are a lot of people and because of the internet or whatever, cell phones, internet badasses. And I mean, like even we're a couple of internet badasses where we might be hurting your, we might be hurting your feelings or whatever. But you are, we have become, we have lost the ability for empathy to where we can't sit there and understand what somebody's going through. A girl can sit there and, at 16 and feel like she's made a mistake. And because her parents have told her her entire life that if you have a child before marriage, then you fucked up. And your life is going to be fucked up from here on out. You're not going to be able to go to college. You're not going to be able to get a career. you got to take care of that baby. 
So you're going to be a deadbeat living at your parents' house. And so she decided, because hormones got the better of her when she was 16, to go have sex with someone. And in the heat of the moment, they didn't use a condom and she ends up pregnant. You're going to tell her that she's a murderer because her family has been telling her that she's going to be a fuck-up for the rest of her life? What kind of pressure do you think that is for that person? It's ridiculous. You're going to tell her... That she can't find love in a place that is only supposed to be love. That she can't go to church. That she can't be a part of this ministry. That she can't experience love until she turns away from this. She didn't put her baby up for adoption. She's got to walk away from this. Repent from her sins, blah, blah, blah. And you won't even go sit there and talk with her. And be like, hey. How are you doing? You don't got to ask her. You don't got to ask her. So do you believe in Jesus Christ? That's. <laughs> Let that come. For sure. Again, this is where it's important that you buy into the mission and the vision of Jesus Christ. When the good Samaritan in that story goes and meets with that guy and he saves him. And he pays for his bills. At what point in that entire parable does the guy say, so are you a follower of Jesus or what? (laughs) When? Never. That's not what it is. That's not the point of the story. Of anything, the two guys who were the followers of God, the rabbi, the devout follower, they walk away. They're too busy. They got whatever going on. But the Good Samaritan shows up And he's the one that is the outcast. And he shows up. He saves the man. And pays all of his bills with love and affection. And not once does he sit there and go, well, are you a believer? Because I'm only going to do this if you're a believer. Why is it that our God is unconditionally loving and we are conditional? It's ridiculous. And that's where I, I just get so irritated and so frustrated. I, you, yeah, we're both... I think that's... Well, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we weren't pretty much in line with both things. But I, that particular, I think, really clearly gets us animated because <laughs> we've been animated and... I've definitely said the F word like four times tonight. Yeah. So. Uh, so, so let's start to, let's try to tie all these bows together. So we've talked about, we recapped last week's heaven and hell, why we brought it up, what kind of fundamentally we think matters about that discussion. And that discussion is focusing on the here and the now. When we say that doesn't mean you have to go out and do this like profound thing. Maybe it does. Maybe you're in a church and you've been, maybe you have been, you're listening to this and you have not gone to a church and this is your moment to go to a church and try it out and just as, as Jordan Peterson talks about, stop being focused on yourself and just go and listen and hear what's got to be heard. Maybe you've been going to a church and you haven't been doing anything because you're waiting for the right moment. Uh, maybe it's just 
being in the moment with a coworker or a family member or a friend. What I'm all what I'm getting to as is there's the great moment in Isaiah chapter six when God says, Whom shall I send? And I got reminded of this ironically by a show on Netflix. Stranger Things. It's called Cobra Kai. It's called Impossible, I think. Improbable? Impossible? Dang it. It's the bear on I will, Hulu. I will have the name for you next week. It's uh, Tony Collette and I don't know the other lady. It's eight. It's just eight episodes. It's about a string of... It's a serial rapist who's hitting a bunch of western states. And the, it's based on a true story. I don't know how true the show is but it's based on a true story this guy figured is really smart he finds books on how uh police forensic work so he get around you know making sure he leaves leaves a clean uh crime scene he hits he only rapes ladies in different police districts because he he's figured out police departments don't really talk to each each other so they're not figuring out that. so these two ladies figured out there's a great scene tony collette plays a Openly atheistic detective. The other detective, I'm sorry, madam, I do not know your name as an actress. She's wonderful. They're in her SUV, and on her dashboard, she has this uh, post-it that says, Here I am, send me. Tony Collette says, What is that? And she pres- we find out throughout the show, this lady is a churchgoer. We see her go to church. She's a Christian. And she says, tells the story about Isaiah saying, I need someone to save my nation. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And that's her daily reminder of, here I am, send me. It's a great moment. Phenomenal. And I inserted it into this podcast because I thought, perfect thing. That's where we should go out throughout our day. If you don't like homeless folks, I get that. But if you're walking by and some dude... It's 100, 108 degrees, and you don't like homeless people, but this dude's struggling. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Buy the guy a fucking sandwich and some water. Right. Be a human. You buying him a meal, or even giving a couple bu- bucks and him going and copping some more drugs, That ain't. that's not the part of the problem. You're just being human. Right. The problem is way bigger than all of us. It's a culture problem. We're not going to solve it. And we're not going to prevent it by being human to people that we find are deadbeats. Get whatever pull-your-up bootstrap bullshit American stuff out of your system for, for one day and just say, hey man, what can I do for you? Right. Here I am, God, send me. How about that? How about we start there? Second thing, we talked about, we think the church needs to pivot. I think the church needs to pivot. I don't think it ever should have been focused on rules. We talk a big game about the world's broken and Jesus has saved it, but we don't really believe it. So, uh, a couple years ago, my wife and I took a trip. We went down to... uh, went to Nashville, 
went to Oklahoma City. I'm a big Oklahoma Sooners fan. Texas Longhorns suck. Uh, went to the Oklahoma game, then went down to Dallas, and then made our way down to uh, Waco and visited the great mecca of Magnolia Farms. Uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. And they're Christians. And they have in this they have a big showroom. Everything's super expensive. It's outrageous. People are spending money left and right. God bless them. But Chip and Joanna on this wall have a sign that just instantly my wife and I want. It's written on the wall over here. It's become my just cause. I imagine a world where brokenness exists but grace abounds. They wouldn't sell it to us. It was just for the showroom. We were like, we want this. It's like, we're having it made. It's being put on our wall. So when you walk into our house, Colton, we're in our house, Colton sees. We have a very long hallway to get in the house. We want that to be in our house when every person walks in our house. And what's funny about it? Where brokenness exists, I imagine a world where brokenness exists. And every day, brokenness seems to be becoming more and more and more pervasive. Grace abounds. Which is the part that we're missing. Which is the part we're missing. The church is failing, folks. We're failing. I'm failing. And that's why people are leaving. And that's why people are leaving. And that's why we have more people than ever who don't know anything. Anything. They don't know anything about the Bible. When I was a kid, you might know a kid who didn't believe in God or anything. But he he knew who Noah was. And he he knew all of the, you know, let's pick five stories out of the Old Testament. He knew all that. We live in the Bible Belt of California. Right. And I would I would venture to say half the population around here doesn't know those stories either. Well, I think we You're talked... You're fooling yourself. We I, are not the culture. I think we talked about it before. That California's a pagan state. I just... <laughs> <laughs> the Bible Belt is really actually just five people. Just, uh, <laughs> it's me, you, your wife, my wife, and uh, and I think one of our dogs. <laughs> people from Texas are like, fuck yeah, it's a pagan state. <laughs> That's F word number five. We need a swear jar. We need a swear jar where we're going to donate money every time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This week, we're giving to Bob Goff's uh, (laughs) ministry. (laughs) Yeah, I think think that with the the phenomenal quote, I think that I imagine a world where brokenness exists, but grace abounds. And I think, again, brokenness exists plenty. You can see it everywhere you look. It's everywhere you look. It's at your workplace. It's in your family. It's at your kid's school. Everywhere it should be is... We're not asking you to get trampled on. No. But I ask you to recognize that this is a broken world. That's what I would ask for you. Is that you should see broken people. Every day when you see people and you see that they mess up, every single day you should sit there and you should be like, you're broken. I should not expect perfection from you. And that's where the grace comes from. Because you're not perfect. There's only one person on this planet that has ever been perfect. And everybody else is broken. And so you need to sit there and give them grace. 
for the fact that they are broken. Every single day. Every day. I know that it's hard. I know that it sucks. And they might have brought it upon themselves. And you may sit there and think to yourself, and this is where, again, we talked about some of those problems, where you may sit there and think, I'm not as broken as they are. Why can't they just be better? Why can't their brokenness be fixed just a little bit more? But that's not your job. Your job is to continuously give them grace. 77 times 77 times. You should not be doing anything other than that. No matter how many times they ask for forgiveness, you are supposed to give it to them. I think it's actually 77 times 7, but you know, it's okay. Is that you will constantly give grace. And I know that it's hard, especially in our world where we believe that you got to go out there and you got to get them and pay them and, and make sure that they pay you back for everything that they did to you or whatever. Okay. Revenge is rampant in our country. Justice is what we call it. Oh, yeah. And you know what? There's times where, you know. I'm not saying that you necessarily have to forgive them. Oh, look, I'll speak. I'll, I'll speak personally. I'm in the middle of a thing. I was a. Uh, I was thinking I'm not about sure it. I can say specifically what it is. No, I was thinking about and it. Seeking, I was thinking about it when I was saying it, but I'm, I was like, "Oh, maybe I should stay I'm, away from this." <laughs> and I'm seeking justice. And I, but I've actually shocked the number of people by saying. And I've told that I've, I've clearly been sincere when I've said this because I mean it. And I, the reaction I get is pretty shocked. I say, you know, the thing that bothers me is I don't think after all of this they're going to have learned their lesson and they think they're still a victim. I'm not doing this, the thing that's going on, because I'm trying to teach them a lesson. My point is, I, I truly feel bad for this person right, that, right, right. that's going on. And, and it's. Have grieved me. And as somebody who knows Tim. I know that this caused a lot of turmoil, a lot of anger. And I do have to say that I remember when he was going through a lot of stuff that he's been going through through this last year is that um, one of the things that kept coming up was he remained calm. He remained collected. He was able to have conversations with this person. And there wasn't any issues. People were actually legitimately surprised. Because if you know Tim... And as, maybe you've gotten it tonight on the podcast. <laughs> is he can get pretty angry. <laughs> he can get he can get riled up, and he remained calm and collected. Um, and and people were genuinely surprised, and that's because you know he recognizes that this is a world where brokenness exists. He doesn't like it when brokenness happens to him. I don't think any of us do, but yet he is still able to be the bigger person and show grace. And want this person to be better. And yes, like he said, I don't think they're going to learn anything from this. But he still continues to show grace through this whole process. So, again, I didn't want to bring it up if you weren't going to bring it up. But I did think oh, about yeah. you during this whole thing. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think this wraps up another episode of the Go to Hell podcast. It's been another great episode, I hope. If you're still listening after all these many episodes, we hope you continue to do so. We thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at the Go to Hell Pod. 
That's our Twitter address. Ooh, we have a handle now. We do. So we'll post updates on there. You can send all your nasty comments, questions to Twitter account. Oh, gosh. That's public. Or email us at Tim at GoToHellPodcast.com. You can send all the nice stuff there. And send all the nasty stuff to Colton at GoToHellPodcast.com. If you really like this, you can send beer recommendations. Oh, there we go. Um, no porters or stouts for Colton. Tim will drink all those. I'll drink anything, uh, pretty much. Uh, don't if you send us a ghost, <laughs> we're gonna pass. <laughs> uh, if you like the Go to Hell podcast, please rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app, because that makes it much easier for other people's to, to other people to find it. Share it with your friends too if you really like it. We're trying to build a. Uh, a uh, listenership because at this point again i think it's we just think it's two people talking in the central valley of california but we hope you're listening if you don't like the show go to hell nice it is better to think of the church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in the church